But it is great to be with you. Uh, great to be with you this morning. And we are in our Christmas season. How exciting. We're getting there. Great. Oh, I was, I was with the, um, the youth last night. Uh, as Mark said, they're on their youth weekend away. So I was over in Chepsley with them yesterday evening. And I tell you what, youth can be a tough crowd. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Jen's, Jen's apologizing. Uh, your, your daughter was, um, was also tough. <laughs> no, it was so lush. I mean, it was amazing to see them by the end of the evening, sort of praying for one another. But, you know, I started the evening, asked the room a question, deathly silent. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going to be a long one. But no, it was fab. It was fab. But you know what? I, I, I know Mark prayed for them, but I just want to encourage us because we have some amazing youth in our church. Uh, and we have an amazing kids ministry and youth uh, ministry that really just, uh, just plow into them and invest into them and show them the love of God. And it's just wonderful to get to go uh, and, and just kind of catch a glimpse of it. And so if you're in the room uh, and you are passionate about young people, you're passionate about kids or youth, then we would love for you to sort of get involved. We'd love for you to help invest in the next generation. Uh, and even if you're not, we'd just love for you to be praying for them. Uh, and as Mark said, this is their last morning, but God still wants to do a lot in them uh, this weekend. And uh, I don't know about you, but for those of us that grew up in the church, uh, I know many of us didn't, but I was um, fortunate enough to grow up in the church. And weekends away like that uh, were just amazing moments in my faith journey. And so I'm just so grateful that we have a team of people uh, who make that happen. Anyway, that's like, absolutely nothing to do with what I'm, um, what I'm speaking about. But we are speaking uh, on Christmas. If you were here, yes, there we go. The excitement's getting in the room. I love it. Uh, if you were here last week, Matt Meads kicked us off into our Christmas series, Let Earth Receive Her King. And so we've taken a few lines from the very famous carol, Joy to the World, uh, this year to, go, to kind of take a slightly different slant on uh, creating a Christmas series. And so Let Earth Receive Her King. And so Matt looked last week at the line that comes just after that in the verse, Joy to the World, Every Heart Prepare Him Room. And he talked about how we need to prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. And then today, I'm going to uh, kind of leave look at joy to the world, the Lord has come, the opening line. Uh, and we're going to be in the very familiar story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. And so if you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke's in the New Testament. It's about three quarters of the way through the Bible. It's one of the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to come up on the screen behind me. Hopefully, I sent it a little bit late to the media team. Are we good, Leah? Have we got it, Leah? Yes. Oh, what a pray. What a pray. So, <coughs> it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I love this. In verse 10, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Joy to the world, the famous carol and the famous promise of the Christian faith. 
And right now, doesn't our world need some joy? <laughs> yes. Uh, have you guys come across when dictionaries do a word of the year? Yeah, some of us have, say, Oxford English Dictionary do it, the Cambridge Dictionary do it, and another dictionary called Collins Dictionary does it. And Collins Dictionary, uh, their word for 2022 is permacrisis, which is a new word, a word I'd not come across until this year because Collins Dictionary, if mind something, they, they created the word. And permacrisis, its definition, is an extended period of instability and insecurity especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. Collins Dictionary created that word and chose that word for 2022 to encapsulate what has gone on in the United Kingdom over the last few years. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that is the world in which we have lived. We have gone through an incredibly tough few years as a nation. The political instability, more recently the war in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, climate change crisis, the consistent rise in mental health issues that we have seen, the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're still feeling the effects on. You know, we're, we're now beginning to see some of the health concerns that, uh, that have come from untreated illnesses during the pandemic. We did not just feel the effects of it in those couple of years of lockdown. We will feel the ramifications of it for the next few years and probably for many years to come. We've got anxiety on the rise. We've got marriages breaking down. We had kids having to do lockdown, in, having to do school in lockdown. We had parents who had to try and do school in lockdown. <laughs> it's been a particularly tough few years. And now we find ourselves at Christmas time again, with the Christmas story that so many of us have heard so many times before, and the question is, does it really matter? Is it really true? You know, this story that we have heard so often and, and so easily can become powerless in our minds, because we just go, oh, it's just a nice story about some shepherds that see an angel, about a baby in a manger, and we forget the, the, the gravity of what we're talking about here, that God in human flesh was came down to, be, uh, to become human in the world that he created to bring a message of hope, a message of joy, a message of peace. And this joyful news, this joy to the world, this, this good news that will bring great joy to all people is that peace on earth is possible. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes as we look at the permacrisis of society, it can feel like, is peace really possible? And maybe, you know what, that's the permacrisis we looked at there was quite a broad sweep of our kind of current moment in society. But how about you personally? How are you doing? Maybe you're in a season right now where there is such a lack of peace. Maybe you're even in a season where actually you've got the things that the world would say should give you peace and should give you joy and happiness. Maybe your career is going really well. Maybe your family's going well. But you go to sleep at night and you toss and turn and you are just full of anxious thoughts and worry and insecurity and you have a lack of peace and you're wondering what on earth is going on. I've done all the things they said I should do. Yet I don't have the peace that I thought would come with it. 
Maybe you don't actually have anything that the world is saying should bring you peace. Actually, right now, your life is falling apart. Maybe post-pandemic, your marriage did fall apart. Or maybe you were so isolated during the pandemic, you're still struggling to come back from the loneliness of it. And you're looking at your current surroundings. You're looking at everyone else going, well, they just seem to have friends and connections that I don't have. I'm desperately lonely. I'm so out of touch with what's going on. I have this void within me. And you're talking about peace on earth. I don't think I've got any of that. Well, the good news is that there is great joy to be found in the Christmas story. That wherever we are at, Jesus is offering to bring us peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that can invade any situation that we are currently in. Peace not just for ourselves, but as verse 10 said, good news that brings great joy for all. It's not just for us, but it's for our friends and family who we maybe look at and go, they desperately need the hope and the peace of Jesus as well. And so around this idea of joy is this idea of peace, peace on earth. (coughs) Excuse me. And I just want to take a moment to unpack what do we mean when we talk about that. Now, God's plan for the world is expressed in an ancient Hebrew prayer of blessing that Jews and Christians still use uh, and encourage to still use to encourage one another. And we, we use it when we dedicate babies. And there was a dedication last Sunday morning, and we'd have prayed it then. It's from Numbers 6, a book in the Old Testament, right at the start of the Bible. And it says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Famous words that many of us will have heard famous words that some of us might have even sung. There was an amazing song that came out a few years ago uh, called The Blessing that just sang this song over and over again. And, uh, and I loved it, and I love this prayer. I love it so much that actually my daughter, for the first year of her life, I'd put her to bed every night, and I would sing this blessing over her because it was so powerful. I was like, this is the heart of the Lord for you, and this is my heart as your father for you, that the Lord would bless you. And he would turn his face towards you, and he would give you peace. And the Hebrew word, which was the original language that this was written in, translated peace, is the word shalom. And it's a word some of us will have come across before. It's a beautiful word. It's a word that is so important to the Jews that they actually use it as a greeting, both hello and goodbye. They'd say shalom to one another. And when they use it, they're they're speaking of so much more than just an absence of conflict being peace. But they're talking about a deep sense of satisfaction and security that results from life-giving relationships, both with one another and with God. This deep sense of wholeness and well-being where, where it feels like all is right with the world and all is right with yourself. Shalom expresses the way things ought to be, whole, healthy, delightful, and joyful. That is God's intention for the peace that we would experience, the peace that we would feel this Christmas time. But the reality is we've already unpacked that is not what so many of us experience. Even those of us who are following Jesus, we still sometimes find it so hard to feel that peace. The late Pope, John Paul II, often said that we need to get to the root causes of our lack of peace and not just deal with the symptoms. You know, when someone lacks peace, when we lack peace, it's really easy to medicate that away without really dealing with the root issue. We try and maybe numb ourselves or distract ourselves. And you know what? There can be some benefit in that in the short term, but unless we actually get to the heart of the issue, we won't find the freedom that the Lord 
has for us. And what is the root problem behind the world's lack of shalom, behind the lack of peace that we find in society? I think it's ultimately that we as human beings aren't willing to live for the glory of God. Let's come back into the passage. Luke 2 verse 14. What do the angels say? They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men and women on whom his favor rests. Now, when we send Christmas cards, they often separate those two ideas, don't they? So we get a card that simply reads peace on earth. And we don't link it with glory to God. There is no peace on earth until people start living for God and for his glory. The the end of that phrase, on whom his favor rests. Those are the people that the Lord will pour out his peace upon. Who are those people? Those are people who are living for the glory of God. Who have chosen to live in a response to God's outrageous mercy, outrageous grace. With lives that revolve and are centered around him. That say, you know what, I am no longer the main part player in my own life. I live for you, God. You are the center of it. The root problem behind the lack of peace is that our lives were created to revolve around God, God at the center. But so often, we put ourselves at the center. We like to think that everything revolves around us. We demand that other people serve us. We demand that even God serves us. In the Western world, we have a tendency to want God to serve us. God, I need this. I want this. Our prayer life becomes just a list of requests. Now, look, it's not wrong. Of course, it's not wrong to request things of God. The scriptures tell us to do that. It's not wrong to bring the desires of our hearts and the needs and the wants of our hearts before him. But how easy is it to fall into a really transactional relationship with God? Where actually our relationship just comes down to a quick prayer at the end of the day going, God, I really need this. I need this for tomorrow. Or this is what I want. I want you to do. Would you just come in and do this thing? As I said, it's not wrong for us to request things. But if it falls into this transactional way of life, actually what's going on is that we're saying to God, you know what? We are now the center. I know what's best for my life. Would you just come and do the things that I I need you to do and then just let me get on with the rest of it? The Bible tells us that that is the problem which messes up our lives and breaks our peace. If you want to understand this, it's this idea of sin. And if you want to understand the problem with sin, just circle the middle letter. It's I. It's an I problem. It's an I-centered, me-centered, ego-centered view of creation, view of our lives, view of the world. Each of us sets ourselves up Showing self-interest, self-love, self-centeredness, self-gratification, self-praise. We are the center. And unfortunately, all of us have a tendency to do this. And this is where the problem comes in. Because if it was only me doing it, well, that would be okay. Because then all of you would revolve around me. And that would be fine, wouldn't it? But the problem is, you guys do it too. (laughs) And so then suddenly we have my ego-centeredness and my eye problem Conflicting against your eye problem. And we're going, well, hang on a sec, this isn't quite working. And conflict arises. Consider how restless and frustrated and unhappy you get when you don't get your way. I know, if you're anything like me, why there are a million reasons that your way is the best way. 
you've thought it through. You've got the best plans, the wisest plans, the most reasonable and sane way to do something. And as we strongly argue with whoever it is that we're conflicting with, is it really the case that we want the best plan and the most reasonable plan to be implemented? Or is it that we just want our plan? Not many people lie awake at night upset that someone else's plan didn't, go, uh, didn't get put into action. It's not often that it's because we want the best and wisest plan. It's because something in us is going, well, that's not the way that I wanted it to be. <coughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me. Now, in this moment where we put ourselves at the center, so often what happens is we become at odds with God because he doesn't give us the things that we want or the things that we feel that we need. And it's why so many of us end up feeling far from God because we get disappointed with him. And now, look, as I said, it's not wrong to request things from God. It's not wrong to come before him and, and to desire things deeply. And it's also not wrong to be disappointed when prayers don't get answered in the way that we think they should. But sometimes a really good moment to come back to is when we go, okay, Lord, is the lack of peace that I'm feeling over this? Is the disappointment that I'm feeling over this? Actually, because my heart has been in the wrong place. And I've put myself at the center. I've put my own needs, my own desires, my own wants before what you say is best. And so actually I'm disappointed that you haven't given it to me because actually my heart was in the wrong place. And you know what, when that is the case, we just come to this moment and we can say, you know what, Lord, I repent of putting myself at the center, put myself at the center of the story. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he says this about Jesus Christ in chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. In a world that is lacking peace, in a world that has so many self-help books, and if you go on Instagram, Instagram, there are just so many feeds that are out there vying for your attention, trying to sell you the next best plan for you to feel peaceful and self-care and do some yoga and stretch a bit and eat some green smoothies and you'll be great. And you know what, there's, like, there's a bit of wisdom in some of those things. But you know, where our peace is, it's in a person. It's in a baby who was born in a manger. It's in a king who died upon a cross and who rose again and who lives and reigns. And as we sang this morning, is the name above all other names. Is the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is the source and the fountain of peace. We can do all that we can. We can work as hard as we want to produce peace. But there is no peace. There is no true, true peace without Jesus. I love when you read the Old Testament, you, there's a, a book in it called Isaiah, which was written by the prophet Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus came to earth. And in it, uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesies about Jesus. And he says this in Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, it's that word shalom there, was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. 
what happened to enable us to experience peace here in 2022 in the middle of a perma-crisis was that the king of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, he came down, he took on human flesh, and he bore our sin upon his shoulders on the cross. Peace on earth was enabled through the death of Jesus Christ. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. This is why it is good news of great joy that Jesus came 2,022 years ago into a manger in Bethlehem. The reality is, you know, we have all gone astray from our Father. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all put ourselves at the center of the story. And there is a moment that we have to come back and we just say, you know what, Lord, we've got it wrong. We repent. Would we come back to you, the truth of the Christmas story, that the glory is yours in the highest it belongs to you, that you are the center of the story. And when we do that, the Apostle Paul says in another letter that he wrote to another church in, in Rome this time, he says, therefore, in Romans chapter 5, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has dealt with our sin. He has dealt with our self-centeredness. He has dealt with us breaking the created order, the created way of things. And he has brought us the peace that is only possible through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. This is the beauty and the power of the Christmas message. This is why it is so important for us to grasp it and not lose sight of it. This is why it is indeed joy to the world. And this is why, as we come back again into that, that line, a beautiful line from the angel, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is why it is good news not just for us, but for our friends and family. Because as we look at our friends and family and we see people who we go, you know what? You are living at the moment and you don't have, the, you don't have peace. You don't have joy. You don't have hope. You don't have wholeness. I, I know as I look at some of my friends, I, I just see the brokenness in their lives and I'm like, man, you need Jesus. But I don't know about you. Sometimes I look at, at my friends and family and I go, but I don't know if you'll ever come to know Jesus. You seem so far away from him. And this is where, and just as I come in to finish, I just want to take a short moment to look at another, another kind of part player in the Christmas story that we know and love to give us hope that God wants to bring this good news of great joy to people who are far from him. People we might look at and go, oh, I don't know that you'll ever come to know Jesus. And it's, it's the magi or the wise men, the kings, that many of us will have come across. <coughs> And it's the story that, that many of us, if we've ever done the nativity, where the star comes up and you kind of get dressed up with a tea towel on your head and you follow the star, it's those people. And so the, what happens is we have people from a different culture, far away from Bethlehem, far away from Israel, who are studying the stars. And they somehow kind of divine that maybe this star is a really important thing going on and there's a new king. Uh, being born that they should go and find out about. And, you know, I never really thought about this because I just knew that story. I was like, oh, yeah, great, cool, 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 cool. The reality is these were pagan sorcerers. Have you ever thought about that? Pagan sorcerers. And God chooses these people to be some of the first people to come and worship Jesus. 
They could not be further from him. So imagine it today. Like this, this might be people who are like mixing up in the occult. Maybe some people who use like Ouija boards. Go to seances and things like that. Those are the types of people that, if we're honest, you and I would look at and go, wow, you are really far from God. I'm not sure there's any hope that you'd come to know Jesus. But these are the kind of people that Jesus is saying, that God says, hey, no, 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 I'm going to tell them about my son who's being born in a far-off land. They're going to come. And not only that, they are going to bring him presents of great wealth, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what I love about this as well is if you know the story, what happens is Joseph gets warned in a dream not to go back to his homeland, and he flees to Egypt. And he takes his newborn son, baby Jesus, and effectively they become refugees. And now, this is kind of, we're reading into it slightly, but a lot of scholars would would agree with this, that the likely way that they funded that kind of time as refugees was with the gifts of great wealth that these pagan sorcerers gave them of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, that they then used that to finance their time as refugees. And so we have, in the Christmas story, the heart of God towards people who are so far off from him that he would use pagan sorcerers, people messing up with the occult, that we would look at and go, you are so far from him. And he would say, these are the people that I choose to come find out about my son, be some of the first people to worship him. And not only that, they're going to give him gifts that are going to look after him as they flee into exile to not be killed by King Herod. Doesn't that just blow your mind a little bit? How cool is God? I don't know about you, I box God so easily into my, oh, okay, well, you need to look like this, and you need to do it a certain way, and you need to play the pads at the start of the song, and they need to strum the guitar a bit, and then, and then we can worship God, and then if we do it the right way, then his spirit will come, and everything will be okay, and maybe some people can experience peace. And then I look at my friends and go, well, I, I'm not sure that you're going to come in and be able to do that right, so maybe, maybe you're far from God. And God's like, Paul, would you shut up? <laughs> My heart is safe for those people. I have great joy for them. I want them to know my peace. My peace is for them. And so I want you in the room right now. If, you, if there are people in your life that you are just desperate with they, the, the peace of God, that you have been hopeless for, would this just be an injection of hope? I mean, if they're not pagan sorcerers playing with Ouija boards, like, they're closer than the Magi were, <laughs> and God used them. So there's hope for your friends and family. And so would we, as we step into this Christmas season, be filled with hope that there is peace available to us in the perma-crisis of our life that we find ourselves in. There is peace for our friends and family in the perma-crisis of their life that they find themselves in. And there's there's peace and there's joy and there's hope for our society in the perma-crisis we find ourselves in. And why don't we rejoice in that this Christmas?